0: This is the Endurance Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. I was in uh, my graduate studies And I was doing a research paper, and you know you get to grad school, it's all about research papers. You just do the research paper, the research paper, it's all about research, and you get tired of doing research. Um, You learn how to write, you learn how to understand what the consistent... uh, You hear it in the back. Um, You hear the current conversation that's kind of going on in the academic world, and uh, it's an intimidating atmosphere if you're not used to it or prepared for it. Well, I remember I was doing a paper like a 25 page paper and I was like trudging through the night typing, typing, typing and I eventually got to the end of the paper and I didn't save my paper and lo and behold something happened to the computer at that moment when I realized I hadn't saved it it, it went out Nowadays, they have an automatic save stuff. But back in the day, they didn't have that automatic save. And when that computer went out, my word was gone. I had spent all that time working. Nothing. I lost it all in a second. I could go on and tell the rest of the story, but that is the main point. One of the biggest concerns I think what we should have about our faith is that there's a potential of us losing our rewards. The scripture makes it clear that all of our efforts in Christ will be tested by fire. It's one of the more sobering texts in the scripture. For those of you who have been with us through our Bible study, we're going to go into a text we're all familiar with. If you get over your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, and let me live really quickly to the world. 1st Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through uh, 14. Thank you. This is all ESP right now. See we are just talking to each other. You have yeah, to your finger up then you're on there, you visible. <laughs> as we start. Father God, I ask you to help us understand Lord God, how to not only our but keep them so that we can have the experience of rejoicing with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a uh, text that I want to forget really quickly. this is one of those sermons you say I said earlier about no distractions thank you was that me or was that you that was me okay awesome okay so we're online alright check this quote out the reward of being faithful over a few things is just the same as being faithful over many things it goes on to say for the emphasis falls upon the same word it is the faithful who enter into the joy of this is the part you have to get it. We are required as believers to be faithful. We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians today. We're going to jump into the text a little deeper than normal because many of us here have gone through 1 Corinthians. For those of you who don't know the background of 1 Corinthians, you have to understand something that was happening to the Corinthian church. Paul had been there for about a year and a half and started a church in Corinth with Priscilla and Aquila. And Paul eventually leaves the area, but Corinth itself was a very wealthy area, very wealthy. It was a seaport as well, and a lot of trade happened there. So Corinthian is a very wealthy area. It was so wealthy that Paul did not even take a salary from the Corinthian church, because he didn't want an argument going around that Paul just came and got these Corinthians saved to get their money. So Paul wasn't even taking up an offering for this church from this church. He did it because he didn't want to have this in a sense character questions. But nevertheless, after Paul has left Corinth and he's now I think gone to another place in the Greek area, um, trouble starts. The Corinthian church starts uh, having internal strife. Some people are saying, you know what? I'm i a believer. I, I believe, but, I, but I'm a follower of Paul. Others say, no, no, I'm a follower of Peter. Some people say they're following Apollos, and other people say they're following Christ. So Paul, trying to correct their division, says basically sarcastically, come on, who died for you? Was it Apollos? Was it Peter? Was it Paul? No, the answer is Jesus Christ. The problem the Corinthian church was having at this particular point was that a teacher came into the church whose name is Apollos, and we know Apollos means destroyer. So he came into the church, preaching the gospel, but he was also using worldly wisdom to try to relate to the Corinthian community. He was a guy of great stature. He was a great speaker. And when he spoke, man, the masses were drawn to his charisma. Apollos was an amazing communicator. So much the more so that everybody was like, man, I'm going to follow Apollos. Apollos was almost the perfect pastor for that community. Now, as much as Apollos was a debonair, Paul was the opposite. He was a meek and lowly rabbi. He wasn't a great communicator verbally. In the sense, he was a great writer, highly intelligent, but he just did not have the pizazz. When he spoke, he didn't make it go as a Matter of fact, intentionally restricted his speaking to the simplicity of the gospel. When he talked about God, he tried to use as simple words as possible so that they will understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. Paul spoke that way so that the glory would not be in him, but in Jesus Christ and the power of God. Paul was so afraid of getting in front of God that he actually hedged himself even more so that he wouldn't hinder God moving in the midst. It's almost like if Paul were here today, he would never market himself. He would never promote himself. Why? Because to do so would take away from God. Now you say, well, pastor, don't we do that? Oh, yes, we do. Forgive me. We do because we are in a culture today, where you have to do that. At least they say that to promote. You have to quote, lift yourself up so that people are drawn to you. But the problem with that, that's exactly how Apollos was thinking. That's exactly what Apollos was doing. He used rhetoric. He had pizzazz. He had wow. And people are like, wow, Apollos is the man. And Paul's like, you are actually causing division, problems." So Paul had to write 1 Corinthians to counter every single thing Apollos had done. By the time 1 Corinthians written, it says later on in the letter that Apollos had been recalled from the Corinthian church. Apollos is no longer there as the pastor. He's actually in time out. He's with Paul. And it even goes on to say, Paul asked Apollos to go back take me this letter, but he was unwilling because he was embarrassed. Apollo still had a little bit of growing to do. But in this letter, you see Paul addressing not only the church itself, but some Apollos' ministry. You're going to see here the problem with bringing in worldly concepts into the church or in our ministries can hinder God from working. See, when you bring in the world into what God is doing, it makes what God is doing ineffective. Bring in different philosophies and technologies, and, and even uh, rhetoric. You can bring in techniques to draw people in. You can use anything you want, but if you're not standing on Jesus Christ, the point ultimately will be in this text. Your work will be burnt up. Now, I'm going to make another point here that you got to understand. Every single thing we do for Jesus even ourselves, will be tested with fire. You don't get away from being tested in this life. Testing will come. Why? Because God is trying to purify us. I am not the same man I was 20 years ago before I started ministry. I was, as Paul said, the chief sinner. I sinned, I'm being honest, I'm confessing. I like the sin because it felt good. It made me feel good. I did not honor God. I did not. Try. I wanted to be the God of my own world. I wanted to be like a man, the guy with the 99 ratings. I make myself 99, so I never make a mistake of that. right? That's how I wanted to live my life. But I didn't know that I was building my own kingdom and not God's. And eventually, over time, those different paradigms had to be broken down and eradicated out of my life. Now, I just try to do it simple and preach Jesus Christ. And if you happen to hear the Holy Spirit talking through me. Corinthians chapter 3, we start at verse 11. It says, for the day will Did I go to Scripture? There you go. Verse 11. It says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So now Paul is talking to these other leaders. He's, he's suddenly addressing Apollos. He's like, we can't do anything outside of laying it upon Jesus Christ first. Any ministry on this planet, if it's going to be considered a valid ministry by God, has to be based upon Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not a foundation of that ministry, then it's not God's ministry. You have to be leery of doing ministry or doing anything from God that's not based upon Jesus. This is a challenge I constantly have. I have to constantly monitor my motivations. Am I doing this to build a name for myself? Or am I doing this to honor Jesus Christ? Do I go out and visit people in the hospital because I'm trying to say, you know what? Oh, I want people to say, oh, he's awesome pastor. He goes to the hospital. He's or am I going there because maybe God can speak me and help somebody else? Am I going to do an outreach event in the city of Brooklyn Park really to be a blessing to the city of Brooklyn Park? Are we doing it so that people know about the first church? Are we praying for people so that we can do our little check? And pray, and now moving so on the next thing, or are we really praying because we really need God? See, God is slowly breaking all these things in our heart that don't align up with Him. It's something that you need the scripture says to yourself, so that you not be judged. This is why we constantly have to look at our motivations because if we don't, our motivations will take us off course. By myself, isolated, with Des and I, I am a bad person. I want to do my own thing. Even if I'm not hurting other people, I am naturally selfish. It's because of sin. I said often that there are certain days I go out and think about anybody else but myself and I'm a father of six men. I'm broken. But faithfully, we have a speaker who will redeem and change As I said, I'm not the same man as I was 20 years ago, but I'm not yet Christ. It goes on to say, verse 12 Now, if anyone builds on this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Now look at those different attributes, those type of elements that he describes. It's interesting here because the first three are in contrast to the last three. And honestly today, most of the scripture talking points will go to this right here. Because if you look at it at first, it just seems like they're just different material. Then you start looking a little deeper, oh wait a minute, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, and straw. So wait a minute, there's there's a big difference. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I'm not going to move the text, but I'm going to jump ahead for your sake. Because eventually, all of our work will be tested by fire is the point he's going to make. Everything he does will be tested by fire. Everything we do will be tested by fire. So if what we do is tested by fire, what do you want your work to be made of? Gold, silver, or precious stones? Everybody would say, absolutely. Because you don't want to do. have your work based on blood, hay, or straw. Because once fire touches that stuff, it's engulfed. It doesn't exist. It's completely gone. So let's look deeper here. See, last time I, I thought about it, and I was like, man, wait a minute. This is interesting because gold, silver, precious stone, they have to be refined to be purified. So all of these words, you're going to be refined so that you can be purified for Christ's sake. And I thought about it a little bit more. And I said, wait a minute, where have I heard these elements together before? Gold, silver, precious stone. I started thinking about, wait a minute, he is actually referring to New Jerusalem. He's referring to God's temple that's coming down from heaven. And then I looked at this other part here and I said, wait a minute, stone, wood, and straw. I said, wait a minute. He's actually referring to the stuff that was used to build the pyramids and the tower of Babel. So look deeper here. What he is contrasting here, very slowly. He's like, Are you building this temple? Is your work built upon the stuff that is edifying God's kingdom, that's leading to the edification and construction of God's holy temple, the church? Or is what you're building, the elements that you're using, the material that you're using, being used out of stuff that was used to build up the world's system? Because remember, the Tower of Babel was man's basically giving God what? The middle finger. The Tower of Babel is like, God, we don't want to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. The Tower of Babel was, God, we're independent from you. We're going to make a name for ourselves and say, forget you, God. And that's the contrast he's making here. Even subtly, in this analogy, you see Paul wit and wisdom. He's like, man, if you bring into your ministry, into your church, into your life the ways of the world, then you're building up the world system. You're making a name for yourself. However, if you use these things that are tried by fire, that are purified, then you're really building up God's kingdom. Is everybody with me? Absolutely. Gotcha. It says, for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by what? Fire. Now, I know a lot of you don't want fire. The cavemen, if they really existed, wanted fire. But do you want fire? People are like, no, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through hard times. Who does? Except if you're an exercise class. Now listen to this. This is where, this is where our church is unique. I used to play for the Minnesota the Vikings, the law on top of the far, far away. And when I was in shape and I was younger and my bones were arthritic, at that time I could run freely like a deer. Now I run like a walk. I you run anymore. I trust you. I do it my knee last night. I took a pallet because The night before, I was out there running. Working, you're running. I'm trying to get in shape. I don't know why. I'm going to be in shape. The other day, I was at the, the gym, and I was working out again. I was doing my spin class. Y'all, y'all going to hear about spin class for a lot because I can't run a lot, because my knees break, so I ride the cycle. So I'm on the cycle, and I'm hurting so bad. And I want to stop. And I'm sweating profusely. And my body's starting to get odors that they didn't admit when I was younger. And I'm like, is this it?" But after the class was over, I took a shower and all I did. I got washed up and I was all clean. And you know what? I didn't need any coffee. I didn't have a bad attitude. I was hungry. I could sit down and watch TV and my head was clear. I didn't argue as much with my life but I was frustrated and vigorous. I just genuinely felt better because I was in shape. God is telling you that if you are in Him and you are doing His will you and your Word have to be refined. God wants you to be spiritually mature. Be honest, there are times it's hard for you to love somebody who is even a Christian, is it not? Just have somebody have a different ideology than you, and automatically you're having a problem. But think about this: if God's love is in you and it's genuine and real, you can get to the place of maturity where God's love is perfected in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. So that you can love and unlovable. God wants you to love like Him, to act like Him, but you can only really do so if you mature. And maturity comes from testing. This church will be tested more than that already has. You will be tested more than you already have. The problem is, Apollos' was teaching was in contrast to this his life was, this is good. He did not preach that you have to suffer and endure and go through pain. He preached that. You're going to go right up to the top with you and Weezy and George Jefferson. He's like, it's going to be a whole piece of cream because now you're with Jesus. And Paul was like, look at my life. Paul's like, man, I've been beaten, shipwrecked. I've been suffering. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you this. i have gone without food. I've been struggling. He's like, if you're going to look at anything, look at my faithfulness. He said, because this is what it's all about. Paul's like, I can't show you the big fancy car, the big house. He's like, but what I can show you is this. I stay faithful. And if you want to know what following Jesus Christ is about, it's about staying faithful. Then Jesus said, that starters will come. But whoever builds their house upon this rock, that house will stand. Storms will come. Raise your hand, Brother really and put it down. Has anybody been through a storm the last month? Amen. See? I kind of did. I was like, oh, you didn't put tool. I apologize. I said, don't raise your hands. Neither I did right But storms come to us all. They will until our last breath leaves our body. Have to trust God all that time as well. How do you stay faithful? You trust God. How do you trust Him? Spend time with Him. How do you say trust Him when you haven't even hung out with Him? Have you read this week your Word? Have you prayed? Have you talked to God? There's a church called the Moravian Movement. Centuries ago, they had a 24 hour prayer meeting that lasted. One hundred years. Right now at our church, we're struggling to have prayer one day for a half an hour. I'm to be honest, it is it's not my fault, it's all my fault. you know, I'll take the responsibility. They had a prayer movement for one hundred years straight. And because of that prayer movement, they had a revival that spanned the entire planet that lasted. Guess how long? One hundred years. They were close to God. We put prayer in a box and say, I, I, "I pray." When you should always be in communion with God, because the closer you're with Him, the more you trust Him. The question is, do you really want to trust Him? And it goes on to say in fourteen, if anyone's word which he has built on endures, he will or she will receive a what? Reward! Understand this, you literary people who are in here, look at this literary clue right here. This is an if, which is a cause and a what? Effect. No, it's a conditional cause and effect, which means if you fulfill these conditions, then you get this result. But if you don't fulfill these conditions, you don't get this result. So what's the point here? If. If anyone's work which he has built does not endure, more, they do not what? Receive a reward. This is not automatic. This is not a guarantee. Here, guys. This is about working for rewards. I'm not talking about works righteousness. Don't you leave here saying, as fast said, in order for you to save, you need to work. No, you can't earn your salvation, but you earn your rewards. That is what I'm saying today. That's what the Bible communicates. You are intensely earning rewards. It's kind of like going to the NFL. Yes, you get there, but you got to make it once you're there. you got to stay there. You've got to practice. You've got to dedicate yourself. You've got to be devoted. You can't just say you're in the NFL and I made it. You can't just say I'm the president. I'm here. I won. No! Look at that. You see what happened to all the presidents? They get old in two weeks. All of them. <laughs> He's coping, totally distress I'm trying to tell you today, when you are saved, that is just the beginning of the story. That's an argument made by Francis Shae. Once you're saved, you're just entering in. Now you're living from that point forward. Hopefully you're earning rewards and rewards you will never, ever lose. A couple of points we're done for the day. Point one, God is judging the quality of, of our work. Oh, are you a quality person or a quantity person? I don't know about you, but the Lord is a quality person. He wants it to look a certain way. And it looks that way if you do it His way. We can add to the Lord. You remember the young man in the Old Testament when the ark was shaken? Remember, the ark was shaken. It was on top of this little wagon. And he put his hand on it to steady the ark. And when he tried to help steady the ark, God struck the What? Did it. God doesn't need our help. We have to trust Him and do it His way. Are we serving God or is He serving us? That's the problem. You go to most churches and you think, man, you know what? God is here to serve me. To do it my way. God doesn't Now we go to the book of Revelation. There are churches there that are huge, that are gigantic. And Jesus, is rebuking those big churches, saying, you say you're rich. You say you're massive, but you're poor and you're blind. And he goes to churches that are small and struggling and suffering. He's like, you are rich. You're doing it right. I'm not saying every church is meant to be small or big. I'm just trying to say you are obligated by God to do it his way. God does speak, and he can tell you what his way is. The question is, do you really want to know what God's way is? This is a reward you get from God that you never lose, that you have forever. I remember my first thing in Genesis. I don't have it anymore. I, I've saved so much money. I had my dollar bills. Katrina, they were all the same way in my pocket. All the dollar bills were as flat uh, same direction. I had a hundred dollar bills in my pocket. I went to candy Toys in the mall. And I got my Sega Genesis. And I got home and I played Rocky and football. And that Sega Genesis lasted all in two months. And it was gone! And I had to get something else. I got a Nintendo. I'm just telling you, all the gifts I've ever had, almost all of them, are gone. I'm talking about gifts you give me. you never lose them. Ever. Ever. We will reap the benefits of our labor in this life for Jesus. If you're working for Jesus, you need to know what Jesus is asking you to do. Jesus has been God for a long time. As a matter of fact, Jesus has always been God. He knows what He's doing. Let me repeat that God knows what He's doing. The question is, do you know what God is doing? You'll get rewards for the work you put in for God. But you just can't do any work. You just do His work the way He has. Next point. Focus on building for Christ, the type of ministry that fire refines instead of destroys. Why was it important for the Corinthian church? Why? Because the Corinthians would eventually be what? Persecuted. Paul knew what was coming. The Corinthian church eventually would be almost wiped out by persecution. And Paul wanted them to remain faithful even during persecution. Now imagine, they would believe this. Oh my goodness, I'm a Christian now. So everything's going to be peaches and cream. I'm going to climb up the social strata. The ladder. And then persecution comes. And if you hear a preacher, well, God just wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy, when persecution comes, you think, know, well, God's going to be happy. He didn't want to be persecuted. I'll run. I'll flee. I'll deny Christ today. And then tomorrow I'll repent and I'll be back with Jesus. And then when persecution comes again, I'll deny him again. And then people leave and I'll profess him again. And that's not what God has asked He's asked us to be faithful regardless of the consequences. Try that Understand this. You will receive rewards for your effort. It's a guarantee. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.